Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. New research helping us understand the structure of DNA and how it all fits together. The structure of DNA helps play an important role in not only regulating how messages are transferred through DNA, but also with helping make sure things get to the right place. Plus, we find out about a new set of research uncovering life that's literally under your feet. So we all know that DNA contains all the information that makes us who we are, and not just us, plants, animals, you name it, that have DNA. Basically, the instruction manual, the DNA, has to undergo a couple of processes. We call this gene expression, but basically, the information stored in the gene gets synthesized into a functional gene product. A lot of the time, these products are proteins, which carry out a series of instructions and do things chemically and change things in the body. That's how our cells work. Sometimes we also will turn through transcription DNA into messages into RNA or transferrin RNA, which are some kinds like these, like DNA, uh, but they contain some sort of like functional product as well, but aren't quite a protein. But between DNA, RNA, and the proteins that they produce, there's a whole bunch of processes that go on here. This, we call this area gene expression and includes things like transcription, splicing, and so on. Basically, the different mechanisms and ways you can get from the instruction manual through to an end product that chemically changes things inside our cells, basically causes stuff to happen. And that's what happens when we talk about gene gene expression. Now, part and parcel of that process is that you're producing a lot of information. You're producing proteins that need to get from one place to the other, or RNA that needs to travel around. And if you're in a tightly, densely packed forest, Passing information through this mess of jumble is quite difficult. And scientists have long been trying to figure out how exactly these proteins and RNA that can be actually much larger than the things around them can squeeze through all these gaps and find a path through the densely packed insides of our cells. And researchers from the George Institute of Technology have been trying to study this by building a computer simulation of a live cell and the inner mechanics of this cell and changing different parameters to see in which how it actually makes sense, what methods could work and what methods just wouldn't work at all. And through this, they've actually been able to support the hypothesis that inside a live cell, DNA, and this big forest of DNA floating around is actually in constant motion, meaning that all these transcription factors, these instructions that are being passed from pieces of DNA to another as part of the gene expression process, are being snustled and jostled through this forest. So in gene expression, transcription factors play an important role. They basically tell different parts of DNA how much of these RNA or proteins to produce and where to produce them and so on. And they basically play an important messenger role function, regulating the gene expression and therefore regulating the production of proteins and other things that make cells interact with the world around them. Now, the problem is that transcription factors, the proteins involved in them, are so large, the molecules are incredibly large compared to the natural DNA that's tangled around them. So if you want to think about it another way, the space inside the windings of these DNA are so much smaller than the the transcription factor molecules. So squeezing a big, large protein molecule through these gaps between DNA didn't really make much sense to the researchers. 
If the thing is so densely packed with strands of DNA all jumbled up, it really should be impenetrable. So how do you get the right stuff to the right site? As Professor Jeffrey Sholnick from Georgia Tech School of Biology sort of outlines. Now the only way that they could make sense of this mess was to turn, through the help of computer scientists such as Edmund Chow, into modelling this entire DNA forest, not so much as a prison with rigid bars, but something that's got a lot of flexibility and movement. So in their simulation, what they did was they turned this thicket, this forest of DNA, into not just solid tree trunks, but wispy vine-like things, things that flex and rattle and move around like a snake in this tensely packed jumble of DNA. And the end result of that was actually quite fascinating. Because what they found is that if you make it not as a thick, rigid body, but simulated instead as a movable, flowing force, it ends up that DNA motion itself is the far and away the dominant force moving these protein molecules through the jungle. To put it another way, basically, this big, densely packed, tightly knit community of DNA surrounding these protein molecules by jostling and moving around is actually pushing the protein, which is much larger than it, through the jumble. Think about it like a large object resting on a sea of packing foam or bearing balls. If you shake it, the object will move through that, even though it's much larger than the small things around it, only because they're moving and getting out of the way. Which makes sense, because we've known for a little while that transcription factors, these protein molecules, have been known to slide along the DNA strands, like magnets down a slippery wire, until they find this specific groove in the DNA where they notch in and latch on perfectly. But the sliding and, and hopping mechanism, where they hop off the DNA strand and jump onto another one, that doesn't account for the rapid rate of diffusion through this big, messy jungle of DNA. But if you add in this wobbling and fluid-like motion of these strands of DNA, it actually pushes things through pretty fast and helps you actually match the speed of diffusion that we see in real life by now changing our understanding of how that whole mechanism works. Now, all of this would not have been possible with a huge computer simulation, which is running in parallel on many, many computers over three weeks for, to get the simulation from start to finish. And look, parallel computing is useful where you chop up a problem into multiple segments and hand different segments onto different machines to all run at the same time. And this speeds up simulation. However, it still takes a lot of work to get that all working perfectly. So this research, which is incredible works of molecular biology, would not have been possible without experts in computer science. So one day, these researchers, including Sholnik and Chow, hope to build a cell functioning in a computer simulation. Now, we're a long way away from that because even just simulating how a single protein or transcription factor could traverse through a little bit of DNA took three weeks to do. So we're a bit away from simulating a whole cell. But if we could, well, we could follow the life path of a cell. Let it live, let it divide, let it split, let it send messages across to other cells, let it mutate and evolve, and that would be really fascinating to study. But we're a long way away from doing that because as the size of the thing you're trying to simulate grows, so does the complexity and the computing power required. So maybe one day we can do this. But for now, at least we have a better understanding of how DNA and the expressions and transcription factors it needs to function 
actually traverses through the densely packed insides of cells. From how a protein molecule, part of a transcription factor, can navigate its way through a densely packed forest of DNA, to the overall structure of DNA. And researchers from the University of Edinburgh's MIC Institute of Genetics and Molecular Medicine, led by Nick Gilbert, Professor of Genetics there, have been studying the way in which a DNA's supportive scaffolding actually is dynamic and responsive, and how that plays an important role in protecting and shielding it from mutation. So for a long time we used to think that DNA supportive scaffolding, its big protective structure, was basically a big fixed rigid beast that was basically there to hold everything in place and prevent everything from going out of alignment. And in human cell DNA is wrapped around proteins to form chromatin. And chromatin actually shields DNA from damage and regulates what genetic information can be read, which we've talked about before is a process known as transcription. And researchers led by the University of Edinburgh, have previously shown that a chemical scaffold attachment, basically something that binds to the top surface of this chromatin, actually forms a protective big mesh around the DNA, protecting it. And they call this specific molecule CARNAs, basically, and it's a big protective shield around the actual DNA itself. And at first we thought that this mesh was rigid, and basically a big shield just on the top surface. But new research has shown that it's actually dynamic, assembling and disassembling itself, allowing the structure to be flexible and move in response to cell signals. And when this was actually in process uh, and working, it actually helps prevent the gene from being damaged, prevent the genome from undertaking any threats or mutations that may come and interact with it. So basically by scientists, by removing the expression of this protective chromatin mesh around the genome, um, they could see the impact with and without it, which helped them actually understand the function of this mechanism. So basically, when these researchers took away this SAFA, the scaffold attachment factor, uh, which is what produces the protective chromatin mesh, if they took away that gene uh, and they left it not to be expressed, so they removed all the SFA away from it, well, the, in mouse trials, what they saw was then, if you take it away, you get abnormal, strange folding of the DNA, which leads to more and more damage and mutations in the genome. So obviously it plays a critical role in shielding things and keeping things together. And other studies have shown that it's pretty much essential to embryo development and mutation. And mutations of the SAFA gene have been popped up when it's not there to actually be more prevalent in cancer gene screening studies. So this chromatin shield actually does a lot to keep away harmful mutations. But it's not some fixed and rigid protective hard armour shield. It actually flexes, bends, disappears and reassembles itself in the right spot to make sure that our genomes are protected as possible. And it just goes to show that the way in which our genes work and are protected is much more dynamic and responsive than we first thought. If you pick up a handful of soil, just 
from the ground right now, you'll find the number of microbes present inside that soil exceeds the numbers of stars in the Milky Way. But unlike the stars in the Milky Way, we, we can see them, we know about them, we've catalogued them over hundreds and hundreds of years of scientific research and endeavour. We know about all those little stars hiding away up there. If you compare that to how much we know about this handful of soil and all the microbes inside of it, well, we just really don't know very much at all when it comes to what makes up all this life teeming are all around us and underneath us quite literally sometimes. So to further dig into and classify and understand all this life scattered across the universe or underfoot literally, scientists from the US Department of Energy Joint Genome Institute or DOJGI and the Department of Energy Office of Science User Facility have released a treasure trove or perhaps more accurately a shovel full of the planet's microbial diversity. In a paper published in June 2017 and in a huge data release as part of the Prokaryotic Super Program, which is led by Nikos Kiripides and his team of researchers, they released the data of 1,003 different bacterial and archaeal reference genomes. It's pretty much the largest dump of genome information for a whole bunch of new species that we've ever released to date. And Bacteria and archaea are pretty much most of the living organisms on Earth. So it's it seems strange to think about, but they outnumber us by a huge amount. If you just compared on pure volume and numbers-wise, humans and animals are pale in comparison to the number of bacteria and archaea that's scattered across our planet. So when you think about it, if we don't even know much about them, that doesn't say a good a lot about our actual work today. And previously, well, we'd only had... In 2009, we had the first 56 of these genomes sort of analysed and studied in this big genomic encyclopedia of bacteria and archaea, which they call GBA. It's an initiative to try and sequence and understand all these little microbes around us. And so, by unleashing a thousand more, we're, we're chipping away at what is it? Just an inexorably huge number of life scattered all around us. And the reason why someone from the Department of Energy is interested in biodiversity around us is because microbes play such an essential role in not just life, our sicknesses, our diseases, the circle of life with plants, all the way up to us humans at the top and all the way down to the microbes at the very bottom. It also has an incredible important role in regulating the biogeochemical process that govern terrestrial and marine environments, from everything from farming to the way in which rocks and oil and gas are formed. And uncovering how all these little genes and enzymes and metabolic pathways work on all these different microbes scattered everywhere helps improve all of those processes, from farming to mining to even medicine. It all plays an interconnected part. And we can't make progress in these fields unless we know what's out there. And that's why this incredible genome sequencing effort has been undertaken because they really want to build up this genomic encyclopedia of bacteria and archaea because until we know about everything around us, we're not going to really add about it, build better mechanisms or medicine or farming methods to interact with it. So with this big release of high quality genomic inf information for at least another 1,000 of these reference genomes, we're hopefully opening up the toolbox for scientists now. 
Uh, why would we care about this? Well, a, a simple example is it can lead to huge leap forwards in biotechnology. You've probably heard of CRISPR, which is basically the, a new mechanism that we're using, a gene editing tool to help splice together genes of different combinations very, very cleanly and efficiently. And well, the Streptococcus pyogenes is actually a bacteria that was discovered as part of this process back in 2009, and it produces the Cas9 protein that functions as the scissors in the CRISPR mechanism. So without having an understanding of how this bacteria works, well, we wouldn't have ended up with CRISPR. And so this more and more information that we can gather about the genomes of all of the life just floating around us will lead us to filling out that tree of life even more, better understanding the world around us, and potentially uncovering things that we didn't even know were possible before, thanks to knowing more about what's buried underneath our feet. So this is some great work covered over a decade as part of a very large program funded by the Department of Energy in the United States. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point. New sets of research uncovering how DNA structure helps protect it, as well as how it assists gene expression, as well as a treasure trove of new data on the bacteria and archaea living beneath our feet in our soil. Our ending theme was composed by Audio and Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.